You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. So how much time we got left in teal season? I know when this is going out. Teal 22nd season is in Missouri. That's Missouri. What, what, you know what Kansas, Kansas is? Kansas just opened last weekend. Yeah, it just opened on Saturday. I've, it's two weeks, so... It's about the same. Yeah, twenty twenty second. I don't I don't have a calendar. I'm gonna pull my phone out and look. You got yours right there. Yeah, let me look. Because Missouri, it's about a three weekends. Three weekends, I think. Yeah, yeah, three weekends. But yeah, I don't think it's full three weeks. Is it? It's the 29th in Kansas. Okay, so okay, it's so an extra. Right. Yeah, it's three full weekends there too. So it's an extra, an extra weekend. It opens a little bit later, which yeah. I don't know. It seems like, I don't know. Uh, sometimes it seems like the teal birds aren't here when it opens in Missouri. But what are your thoughts? Do you hunt both states, Josh? No, I just mainly hunt in Kansas. I might get into Missouri this fall, depending on time since I've moved a little closer. But I've spent most of the time hunting in Kansas. I was in Nebraska a couple weeks ago teal hunting for their opener. So that opened last Saturday. So kind of getting a little double whammy there extending the season out throughout pretty much yeah. all of september two openers that's yeah. what i like to do for turkeys i like to chase them in multiple states to just extend that season and of course in nebraska it's very generous clear in march but anyway so yeah i i haven't even chased the teal bird yet you guys went didn't you chandler mm-hmm. it was we had good reports friday and uh everybody shot them up real well and then saturday for some reason I think it was warm and full moon and not a lot of shooting. Yeah. Like they are, they've done their moving. They've settled down. Um, they had plenty of light at night. I mean, shoot. You could see clear as day and three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And I guarantee you they were just buzzing around. I think we saw some, well, I know we saw some before shooting light, mm-hmm. but after that, it was just ghost quiet. Nobody else was ringing them out. And that's what we heard from other places around Missouri, too, that Saturday was a little rough. Mm-hmm. But it kind of got warmer. I don't know. Moon was out. but Facts. Friday, stuff like that Yeah, happens. Friday was awesome. It was like 78 degrees and cool. And then Saturday turned right around and got right back up to almost 90. It was awful. Yeah, 90. That was like 92 or something. I don't know. I'm tired of this crap. Yeah. I know Sunday it was <laughs> know like 90, 98, like heat index or something. It was awful. And the mosquitoes... I, I ran into a few. We were setting up ground blinds this weekend for deer season, and there was a few that landed on me, and I'm pretty sure I could have put a saddle on them and rode them into the sunset. They're just giant mosquitoes, and I get so tired of them. And everybody, teal hunters, dove hunters, deer hunters, everybody's tired of mosquitoes and the bugs. Yeah. It's time to get them. Get that first frost done and over with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Chandler, who are we talking with today? we got Josh Peck, um, YouTube channel Outdoor Limits here, joined up with us today um, to talk about duck hunting, public land hunting, different ways and all that stuff. Kind of in the middle of teal season right now, and by the time this is probably out, we'll be after. But uh, I know Josh has been chasing teal around. We've been working, but uh, so sounds like he's had some pretty good hunts. So, and you can, he's got it all vlogged videoed so you can check that out but um yeah Um, how long you been doing this youtube stuff so i've been doing youtube pretty seriously for about four years now and uh you know it kind of started out as just filming hunts with my buddies just to post and 
look back on or whatever but then it started gaining some traction people started liking it and subscribing to the channel and it eventually came to the point where like oh wow this is like actually a thing this is like <laughs> there because at this point in time there's really no duck hunting on youtube it was just everybody filming hunts with their buddies and posting it nothing super super well done just put a gopro somewhere and post it and once it took off i mean it just it hasn't stopped so it's really cool to see the growth and what things are turning into. Well, and you got to think, four to five years ago, I mean, everybody pretty much still had some sort of satellite subscription TV service. And I mean, Netflix was big, but not as big as it is now. So about that three to four year window, that's when people started ditching, you know, the direct TV, the dish networks and started doing a lot of online and streaming TV and, and you know, YouTube has really taken off over the last, I would say, at least five years. And then, you know, Netflix got huge too. So that's when people just cut the cords and started doing a lot of online streaming. So, you know, I think you timed it right and you hit it well right there. So Yeah, I, I got pretty lucky. <laughs> I got pretty lucky. Yeah, you, sound, you told me you kind of, you were starting to really dive into waterfowl hunting years ago, years and years ago, and you were struggling with finding the content on YouTube to learn anything or pick up any tips or any tricks, you know, stuff like that. So years ago, I mean, what was it? How far, you know, was that? Like 2012. 2012. So it's not that far, but it's still quite a bit ago. Um, I mean, what do we got? Six, seven, eight years now? Or, yeah, seven, yeah. Yeah, seven. So seven years ago, there wasn't much on there, you know, to learn mm -hmm. as far as so now. And that's what your, yeah, your niche is, you think? Well, yeah. That's off season stuff. It's pretty pretty nice to be able to do that, but also film the hunts is a little bit more rewarding. But it's nice to be able to provide that content to people because I've been in those those shoes before where it's like I don't have any anywhere to learn from. I don't have parents to hunt, I don't have grandparents to hunt, no, nobody in my family to teach me, none of my friends hunt. What do I do? It's something I want to get into. So first thing you do is look it up on YouTube. You want to learn how to change the oil in your car. Where do you go? Yeah, YouTube. You go to YouTube. I'm yep. a great mechanic as long as I have You're YouTube. You're a great YouTube mechanic. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Well, and that's the thing, too, that I think has changed just in the last couple of years is everybody always thought of YouTube as, a, oh, I need to know how to do something. Mm -hmm. Well, now people are using it as a form of entertainment, not necessarily just on how to mm -hmm. do something, but like we, Houston or something. I mean, he'll watch it for hours upon hours. That's what he does. He doesn't watch TV at all. He just watches YouTube. So not only is it a how-to platform, but I think now it's a, a viable streaming entertainment channel, which it is, absolutely. Yeah, and it's free to the public. Mm -hmm. So all it takes is an internet connection, and boom, you got hours of content, mm -hmm. hours of entertainment. And I mean, I know, you know cell phones have a lot of unlimited plans now, but I think everybody still has wi-fi access at some point um but you know if you don't or whatnot it doesn't matter you, you youtube is free however you want to run it whether you're on a phone or on a computer or whatnot crazy things all it's changed and of course phones get so big now that it's just like having a small tablet so gone are the days of the tiny little iPhone 4s where you don't want to watch it on your tiny little screen. Yeah, the other... So my parents are in the process of moving right now, and my mom found her old BlackBerry. Nice. Mm -hmm. and like the palm. Like, yeah, like the one yeah. with like the little ball in the middle. <laughs> you rolled her around to get on the screen with your mouse clicker. But that thing was just the size of a deck of cards. Yeah. It's tiny. And the keyboard, you try to type on it, it's just... How, how in the heck did you hit those buttons? I don't remember those things. I had trouble with them 
back then. Well, uh, Ryan and I were out in the warehouse yesterday, and we were doing something on one of the scan guns, and it, the little keyboard didn't pop up like on a phone, and it was like an old flip phone, so you had to do like the T9 texting where you have to hit a button oh. two or three times to get A or T9. three times to get a C. And I was like, oh, my God, this brings back so many awful memories yeah, of that. What was the setting where like you guessed what you were thinking? That was T9. T9. Yeah. So T9. So you either had to do the classic way, which is... Hit a button three times yeah, to get there, to C. Or, there were so many people back in the day that were like super fast, and they only liked the, like the traditional way. But you'd hear them. I mean, it would sound like... A million buttons at a time, but it was really they said three words. Yeah. But uh, oh, geez, teen, that's what that's that's a while ago. Oh yeah, I'm I'm aging myself there. Did you did you ever have a flip phone? Oh yeah, that oh, was yeah. my first phone. Was a flip phone. Yeah, yes. nice flip yeah. phone before the razor too. I mean, yeah. There's mm-hmm. some probably listeners out there who don't never seen a razor or something. No. One of those old flip phones. Um. Yeah, before that, I've had my first one was like a Sprint, had an antenna on it and everything. It was a little rough, but did you always pull the antenna out thinking you were gonna get better reception? I think I, I think I did when I needed to, and I don't <laughs> think it ever worked. <laughs> no. I was like, I can't, I can't hear anything, and then and I'm like, I'm gonna pull this out, maybe I'll make it better, and no, I didn't work. Wow. Anyways, Man, those are the days. So T9 so, texting and antennas. We, yeah. we kind of got lost on that. <laughs> no one. internet and no internet. Wow. Well, that's where we've been. You know, that's where we've been, and here's where we're at now with YouTube and watching duck hunting for hours. Yeah. But uh, going back to you said like you didn't have parents or anything to teach you. I think that's a very common thing right now mm-hmm. with some of the the out, just the outdoor industry in general. And I think you might not think about it, but how much YouTube is influencing the people who. Or, or maybe not as confident to get started on their own or, you know, they just don't have all the resources or the, or the buddies, you know, or the family that's kind of raised them up in it. You know, if they're wanting to get going, they, you know, YouTube and stuff like that is really, I think, a really great way to help us get more people into our sport, which helps everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, you hear all the time about the the decline in duck hunters and it seems like with this whole YouTube thing popping up and all this other content on social media, it's gaining a lot of traction and getting a lot of more people into this, the sport. Yeah. I think, uh, I think if you guys ever looked at your YouTube channel, you got to talk about how it's all, it's mainly public land. It's anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that you, you kind of had a lot of good YouTube hunts and you're like, this is anybody could every average Joe could have walked up here and done exactly the same thing that you did and, mm-hmm. and had a great day. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of, takes a little bit of effort and some I, scouting. I think that's what the appeal to the YouTube is, is, you know, you're watching the outdoor channel or sportsman channel there. These guys are going out with a lot of outfitters on private land, doing a lot of field hunts. Well, on the flip side of the coin, on YouTube, you're seeing all these regular guys just like you, some random college student, and he's going out 3 o'clock in the morning, grinding it, trying to build a blind of public land, shooting five mallards and getting out of there by 9 o'clock. And that's what I think really appeals to people is the fact that they see it and they're like, I could do that same thing. Absolutely. It's very relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're saying on the Outdoor Channel, there's guys that are, you know, they're deer hunting, whereas if... I wanted to go there and shoot a deer. The guy's going to say, yeah, 10 grand. Or if I want to go shoot an elk, the guy's like, yeah, 15, 20 grand. It's not relatable to most people. YouTube is absolutely relatable. Yeah, I found, yeah, I I personally find, you know, a lot of times when I see a hunting video where they're like, hey, we're at this outfitter, immediately I lose a connection. 
like I don't this immediately from the viewer I'm like oh what okay it's gonna be they're gonna they're gonna bang it up they're gonna have a great day but you know when someone goes out there and says man I've been scouting this place we asked permission you know that all that stuff starts clicking to me like I found these birds no one's hunting them I got permission on this little slough they've been using every night all that stuff it relates to me like you know exactly how we do things you know and that's what sometimes you miss on some of those outdoor you know just the, the bigger shows that kind of kind of use outfitters and stuff i mean you know outfitters are great if you want to go have a great time and and uh but maybe it's just not for in the budget for everybody no. too and that's one of those things that i think if if you're i mean a lot of people don't have the luxury of having multiple days off in a year or you know paid time off or anything like that and if you've got you know three days you're going to be able to hunt out of duck season then sure it makes sense to go with an outfitter if you're only going to have three days you can hunt that's it and you want to bang up the ducks that's maybe the way to do it but you know if, if you are short on funds and or you know you like to go out and be a weekend warrior public land could be fun yeah. it could be frustrating if you're, if you're exciting <laughs> about be fun, yeah if you're excited about diy you know well i get as much fun out of putting the work into oh yeah me too it's a blast when you're just driving around and you finally find this group of birds Especially if you find like a little honey hole on public land, which I've done before. Um, so like something I would do is just look on the maps, look on Google Maps, see if there's any low spots in fields where it hold water and things like that. And then I'd also watch the birds while I'm out hunting or scouting, seeing where they're going. You know, most people on public land, they see duck hunting marsh and that's the only place they hunt. Well, there's also big lakes that you can hunt. There's also fields and those low spots that hold water can be pretty dang good. So I've had a lot of really good hunts where you're just off the beaten path. You're out somewhere where nobody really knows about and you just crush it. Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. Like I hunt out in Kansas, which is where you're from, and the Kansas River is just insanely high right now. Mm -hmm. Insanely high. So the spots that we have along the Kansas River are probably not going to be worth a damn again this year just because the river's so high. But we have a field that butts up right next to that that has a nice little low spot in it. Mm -hmm. And it's right next to that river too. So they can just, if they don't want to sit in that river or fight that current, they can just hop up, come over the trees. There's a field. There's a nice one-acre spot of water right out in the middle in that low spot, and that's our plans for this fall. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to happen to a lot of people this year. Is they're going to be finding, finding sheet water and having to hunt that because there's not a lot of food in public marshes right now because they weren't able to get water off of them. The lake levels are super high. I mean, these, these birds, they're going to be struggling to find food on public land spots just because of the high water. So they're going to have to go elsewhere. It's like this past weekend, I was hunting down by Cheyenne Bottoms, and you know there was a good amount of teal there but most of them were leaving the bottoms to go find food elsewhere so it was just kind of an interesting thing to see mm -hmm. now did you run across that in nebraska as well no with nebraska we were in kind of like the uh, rainwater basin area so they've had quite a bit of rain but there was a lot of smart weed around like there was just good aquatic vegetation for the ducks and i think that made a big difference up there um. What did you guys see? Where did you guys hunt? You were... Secret. Okay, it's no. a secret. But was it public? Yeah, it was public. Did you see a lot of vegetation uh, as far no. as planted? No, 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 we didn't. Uh, that was actually surprising because usually the places we've, you know, um, the, the normal places we've hunted before, you know, in certain areas I saw some vegetation. I knew we should have gone down a different arm, but um, the place we went, we felt like with the wind was going to have the best, you know, visibility and the most traffic and... 
we get there and it's it's just water it's rough it's just water no vegetation and should have gone somewhere else but that you know we just got back from out of town and didn't really have time to scout we just went out and winged it but anyways but i was going to say something early about finding those spots you know like using your satellites great but getting out in the off season and doing the other things like fishing and turkey hunting you run into duck hunting spots you never know about i've gone on google earth and looked at an area and and when they took that satellite pitch picture they didn't this little area over here wasn't full of water but when i went there crappie fishing there's a little you know overflow slough that's full of water and you can't see that on a satellite but when you're out there and you find it you can kind of keep that in the back of your mind and then by hunt season you know it's still there and i bet you i bet you can find birds in it during that time so turkey season fishing season all through the summer just kind of pay attention to your water levels and you might find some things if you're out fishing a reservoir or if you're whatever you know on the river kind of thing well and josh like you were saying as far as using satellite to look for low spots as much water as we've had this spring i think there's going to be a lot of spots that are low spots that typically have not held water that probably are going to hold water this year so mm-hmm. I yeah think there's going to be a lot of honey holes this year yeah so that the public marsh that i hunted up in nebraska normally on a normal year there's no water in it but this year it was flooded just like a marsh cattails everywhere um it's normally a public spot where people go on upland hunt and it just turned into a just a low spot that held water and just smashing teal in there yes so yes that's what you guys need to look for josh peck with the the clutch tip of the day <laughs> look for low spots that typically i didn't even think about that yeah low spots that are typically upland hunting that's a good idea walk-in hunting areas does missouri do that Missouri, no, Kansas, I mean, I know it does. And Missouri, they really don't do that Weehaw program. So uh, I'm trying to think if there's any, there really isn't any walk-in programs in Missouri, is there? I don't think so. Not for the same, not in the same style I think your guys are talking about. Yeah. Is that where like it's... You, you, the farmer basically just yeah. says this is a walk-in area, yeah. you know, for certain times Jump. of the year. He can designate spring and fall or just fall or just spring. He or joins a program certain, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and it, gets paid for it, kind of like yeah. the conservation department. But I don't think Missouri does, which is kind of shocking. But Missouri is really good about um, lots of conservation areas, lots of public land hunting in that way. So um, I don't know if that's how they offset their conservation dollars by doing that, but... It, it you know it is what it is but we seem to have a pretty good amount of public duck hunting area oh yeah so i think we do all right yeah Absolutely. so bringing that around i do get a lot of questions from people saying how do you find public land spots and it's kind of an interesting question i'm like seriously you don't know well i'd say the best way to do it is just go on your department of wildlife's website kansas does a great job telling you what's public land and uh I'm not so sure about Missouri. I'm sure it differs state by state, but normally your Department of Wildlife will give you pretty good information. It it does. I mean, you, it does really well. The thing that you have to put your effort into is finding out if it's a public land spot with good waterfowl or good deer. Because you could find out, you could go to a place thinking that you're going to deer hunt it and it's just marsh, you know. But then the website, I think it only says, you know, waterfowl hunting, like, fair or whatever, and then, like, deer hunting fair. They don't really give a very detailed. You might have to really get in on the satellite to figure out what these places are good for. Mm-hmm. But once you figure it out, and or if you go look at it yourself once, then you'll kind of figure out 
what this you know conservational area is for and, and it's they're probably all for lots of different things it's just some some places have a designated you know flooded marsh area some places just have some some river access or just some some ponds some bigger lakes that you can hunt you just got to really dig in to really define and then you can also jump on and ask google the the a broad question about is this conservation area good for duck hunting and you will probably find somebody say no or yes or don't tell nobody kind of thing you know <laughs> but um i mean you can find all that stuff out you can find out if you can waterfowl hunt it but it, you, it's harder to find out if it's a good waterfowl hunting spot and it might take just a little bit more research to find out how great of spot it is yeah and then of course in missouri the all the conservation areas they'll list the regulations a lot of time it'll say you know archery hunting only for deer or it'll say non-toxic shot only for birds upland waterfowl whatever so you really got to check the regulations and i think a lot of places um it might be open to certain types of hunting but not others so it's kind of a case-by-case basis there but i know that i've used the kansas wildlife and parks website it is pretty good um and so is the missouri department of conservation's website it usually uh gives maps of the area and it kind of breaks them down into what area is what but i with what you were saying chandler it is pretty much cut and dry it seems like in missouri it's either a good deer and turkey area or a waterfowl area it's not kind of wrapped all into one you'll find them though yeah sometimes you can find the honey hole deer areas in the big marsh conservation oh yeah i didn't mean to say that out loud yeah no i'm kidding but uh but they're i mean the big duck conservation areas in missouri they're they pretty much spell it out that hey this is controlled and, uh, and managed from the conservation for ducks you know but then those are usually draw more you know you know draw places you know draw in the morning get reservations all that stuff similar to like a cheyenne bottoms like uh, grand pass bob brown nottaway valley what eagle bluffs otter slough yeah all that stuff so now now what i'm talking about is like the the places that are open like to the public you know you can just it's open to waterfowlers first come first serve those places they don't say like okay they're managed for waterfowl hunting they're they just say waterfowl hunting is fair and what does that mean you know does that mean that you know there is a two ducks that land on a pond maybe i don't know but uh you just gotta do a little bit more research uh, to find out how good it is maybe ask around go check it out right before season see if anything's using it and go from there Mm -hmm. i know there's some spots that we do that's open to everybody um it just not everybody knows about it and it doesn't really say online that it is great duck hunting but it's really decent a lot of times Mm -hmm. So let's get back to you were talking about you were growing up, you were trying to find um, videos on YouTube on, you know, how to duck hunt, how to spot, you know, scout for ducks or how to do whatever. And so you kind of thought, well, I'm just going to start making videos to see if I can help other people out. Right. Yeah. So that didn't really come until two to three years ago. So after after the first season, you know, I was at maybe two or three thousand subscribers, get a couple thousand views on a video. The second season's when I really kind of hit it hard, started changing up the style to more of a vlog style, taking the viewers along with the hunt. And after that season ended, I was like, well, I'm kind of like in a good spot here. I'm going to keep doing this. How can I extend waterfowl content throughout the spring, summer, and into the fall? So then I started doing waterfowl Wednesdays where I'd talk about any duck hunting related thing, whether how to make a jerk cord or how to call ducks. Here's how you do a hail call. Here's how you do your feeder call. Those kind of things, just little information videos that somebody might want to know and i found like the calling videos in particular they do very well 
a lot of people want to learn how to become a better caller, which I do too. But being able to provide that content, that didn't really occur to me as like I'm making an impact until I started getting all these comments from people saying, man, your videos are helping me out a lot. You're inspiring me to go and do what you're doing. And I'm making videos now, or I just went out and shot my first ducks on my first duck hunt because your videos, you taught me how to call. Like that's when I knew I was making an impact and why what I do is such a valuable thing to people is because I'm able to help them and able to give them the information that they might not have. They could have no grandparents that hunted and with a single mom, you know, they, it's just something they wanted to get into. Sure. And they just didn't have those resources. So it's, it's pretty neat. It's great to have it become like a job and be able to do it. And, but I think the bottom line is being able to make that impact in people's lives is pretty cool. Oh yeah. You always feel good when you know you can help someone out and especially if it's a new hunter. I mean, we, we've talked about it on podcasts before that, we certainly enjoy hunting, but it, when we can take someone new or introduce someone new and just, you know, the, watching them have success as well. So, I mean, sure, you don't get to see these people or take them with you, but the positive feedback they provide, letting you know that, hey, what you put out there on YouTube has absolutely been instrumental in helping me get started. I mean, yeah, that's got to feel great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, uh, you know, even then, it's all these other people have been hunting for 20, 30 years. They come on and they're like, man, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was, I was telling my dad about that last night. Uh, for some reason he was talking about the Hunter Ed, you know, we were, you know, me, I took it with my dad in St. Joe a long time ago when you sat in a college classroom and you had dads and kids and everything. Well, now it sounds like that you're, you can just do it online. But I was telling my dad, I was like, you know, I think, I think whenever we had it in the classroom, I think the adults were learning just as much as the kids were in this under-ed course. <laughs> but uh, but now I think you can do it online, and I think I kind of like the whole, like, drive up, and you had a bunch of dads and, and sons and daughters all learning and talking about hunting and talking about deer stories and stuff. But uh, something new, I, don't, I, I need to look into it because I'm not going to give everybody, I don't have all the information, but they have a, kind of a duck hunter's a wing shooters education class offered in Missouri. Because I know they do a bow hunters and, yeah, yeah. and Which trapping. Mm-hmm. But they do have a wing shooters education class. So maybe we'll find some details on that and post it in the bottom. But I I, I do know a little bit. And uh, they're harder to put on because they take a little bit more time to get everybody grouped together and a place to do it. But I think it's pretty neat. I think we'll have to go to one just to oh, see yeah, what it's all just, about. Exactly. But uh, – I thought he was telling me one of the one of the our conservation guys who spoke at our whitetail event was telling me about it, and he's it sounded pretty cool. So I need to figure more about that. And I think it needs to be. I don't think a lot of people know about it. No, so. I hadn't even heard about that. Yeah. So. Huh. That is kind of cool. Awesome. Yep. That's pretty much it. On What's that part. Uh, how, did you do any dove hunting? <laughs> I did do some dove hunting. How'd that go? Well, opening weekend wasn't super great, but this past weekend I went out to Central Kansas and hunted with some guys that I've known for about a year or so now, and they had a really good spot for doves. We set up in a pasture where uh, there was just this little low spot that held water, like one of these occasions where there's normally not water in here. And it was just, just like a pond, maybe 10 yards by 10 yards wide. And these birds, would, the doves would come over the hill, cup up like ducks into the mojos, and just dive bomb right into the pond. That's awesome. Yeah, we shot, I think, 35 the first day and, like, 28 the second day. So were you hunting water? Yeah, we were hunting over water <laughs> in, a, in a pasture pond. 
That's funny. Oh, that's funny. I and I've yeah, I've seen them do that to mojos before too. Where yeah, they just cup up, they cup up, and then they just and just glide right down over into yeah. the mojos. No, by the time I got my gun on my shoulder, they were on top of the mojo. <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've seen. It was probably the best dove hunting I've ever had. That's it was, awesome. It was awesome. So will that be on your YouTube channel? Yeah, it will be. Uh, first video from that will be going up this Friday. Okay. So, so by the time this is out, it's going to be yeah. out there. You can find that. Yeah, so this will go out in several weeks, so people will be getting ready for big duck season. Mm, okay. So, yeah. You guys want to talk about big duck season a little bit? Oh, Absolutely. What uh, what do you what do you have planned? You, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri. Okay. Yeah, so uh, things just keep getting busier and busier and busier every year. So I'm gonna be starting out with the Nebraska opener on October 5th, and then do some hunting in that weekend, and then from there I'll go back home, and then that next weekend I'll go down to Central Kansas for the early zone opener, and. I don't know how long I'll stick around for that because I do work a part-time job, so I can't just like camp out and yeah. just hunt every day, which I'd like to. But it's kind of it's kind of nice to be able to take a little bit of a break, keep me from burning out, and catch up on some sleep. But then the third weekend in October, nothing's really going on that weekend, and then the weekend after that, Big Duck opens. So it's pretty much teal season. And then after teal season ends, I've got a week break, and then it's back at it for Big Ducks. So. It's a. It's gonna be a busy September and October. Yes, and then through January, <laughs> all the way through January, even into February, big with the goose season. Oh yeah, and it, then snow goose into March. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, when do I have time to just like? Yeah, if you really want to do it all, you think about it. You know, the deer hunters talk about, oh man, the bow hunting season. You September fifteenth to January fifteenth. It's awesome. You know, super long. But if you think about duck hunting and, and anything, well, waterfowl hunting. You could really stretch a season into about the the same, well, actually longer, longer. With, with snows. You it, know, you could really stretch it. And it, it just depends on how far you're willing to travel as well. Because, like, I know some places September 1st, duck season opens. So, I mean, if you were really dedicated, you could probably start out in Canada or uh, up in North Dakota with the early goose season and all that stuff. So you could pretty much be hunting waterfowl from first day of September until middle of april most likely mm -hmm. i think some of the last conservation orders close like in may mm -hmm. clear up north so if i mean if you want to get just downright crazy with it but usually by about march i've had enough with the waterfowl and i take about a three-week break and then it's on to the turkeys yeah yeah so, everybody it seems like everybody's mind switch after duck season ends well and i usually track snow geese a couple times and then i just get mad at them and frustrated and <laughs> then I'm just like, okay, that's enough. And then I just, on to turkey. So snow geese tend to frustrate me more than... Snow geese frustrate everybody. Yeah, I, I enjoy hunting them maybe twice a year. That's about it. Because then I just get mad at them. And I, I still sound like I'm in a daggum cave. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this mic. Sorry for all you listeners out there. I'll try to edit and post. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. But no, the you're, you're the just in the other room. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm in timeout in the corner. Dunce cap. Yeah, the West Coast has some cool seasons that that extend like their Canada's and stuff way, way out there to March and stuff. Oh yeah, like I know New York and stuff. New York does a honker season up until like the middle of March. Yeah, that's crazy. I just and and well, I think yeah, and out like Oregon, Washington, or something. I think, I think all the way through February. Yeah, they're. Yeah, I was talking. We were talking to Mario and FA. Was that a couple of podcasts ago? 
you know, the ones that are right before this one. Yeah. And he was talking about how they're lessers and stuff. They'll be able to shoot them late, late in the March and or going into March kind of thing, which that'd be nice to go after some lessers that time. I think we need to work less and hunt more. We yep. need to travel. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Well, I'm gonna pitch that pitch that campaign to the. Yeah, we'll be from New York hunting big honkers in March, and then we'll fly and go shoot lessers and on the West Coast. Some, maybe I don't think you can shoot specs, but I mean they just hunt in February and March, which we don't. We kind of start wrapping things up in the February with the honkers and stuff. But I know Kansas goes longer, right? Yeah, the Kansas honker season goes to like the second or third week of February, mid February, I know, and then there's usually a, a late big duck season in january too yeah so normally in kansas you have your split so where i live i kind of minimize the split because i'm right between two duck zones so one one zone's closed well i can hunt in the other one so that's really nice to have but generally end of december the split starts and then the southeast zone is usually about a week long but then the late zone is about two weeks long so you're losing about one week in January to hunt ducks, but the goose season's still open. And by that point in the year, you know, things are most likely getting frozen up. Ducks are leaving. It's goose time. Yeah. Yep. Six honkers. Six honkers. Not exactly. Three. Exactly. Not three. I need to get on them. Last year we got into a couple, but I didn't get the whole six honker limit. So I need to, I need to work on that this year. But last year was my first year in Kansas, so... Wouldn't it be something with the three goose limit? You just go out, you set all these decoys, you get the first group to come in, you have three shells in your gun, you just nail three right off the bat, and you pack up and go home. Oh, I've done it. It's 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 fun because you're like, wow, man, we just hammered them. But then you're like, I spent an hour setting up. The hunt was over within 15 minutes, and now i got an hour to pack back up. It's, I don't know. I've, I've been a part of a few of those. Yeah, mixed emotions on that. And, of course, it was it was a two bird limit when I first really started chasing honkers. So it was it was it wasn't three for three. It was a yeah you know, three shells, two birds type thing. But yeah, literally we got set up in a spot and we knew there was about a nine o'clock fly to honkers. So we got set up by about we got there about seven. We were set up by eight, and um, they happened to come out a little early. About eight twenty, we shot our birds, and by eight thirty we were spent an hour picking up. And you're like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool and all, but. Man, a lot of work for two minutes of shooting. Yeah, and you don't get that time in the field that you just get to hang out. Exactly. The snacks, the stories, the BS, the whatever. It's it's fun, the camaraderie. And, yeah, it literally it was we set up, we sat down. I don't even think we pulled any snacks out, and here come the birds, and then that was it. You're like, yeah, all that, right, well. That's what happened this past weekend with Teal. We, we got in there, and we woke up at 6 o'clock. Sunrise is like, well, shooting time is like 6.45-ish somewhere in there so we got up at six we got to the field by like 6 20 walked in the blind threw out the decoys and we didn't even have a chance to sit down before shooting light and 18 minutes later we were limited out really <laughs> yeah Jeez. so yeah, yeah cool. literally no no break no sit down no dead time no you just get in there shoot the gun get out uh that's funny i guess i mean yeah you just turn around and pick right back up yeah i i just i don't feel like those hunts are as rewarding i mean yeah you're shooting your birds you're getting done really quick but it's it's not as much of a hunt no i agree i i like i like putting in the work to a hunt like that but then i also like you said the 
the camaraderie where you're just sitting there and you're killing time, telling stories, laughing, cutting up, eating, drinking coffee. I like all the stuff that goes along with the, you know, shooting of the birds. Oh, yeah. That's just the icing. Yeah. So is that the hunt that I think you had that you posted that video of setting up the, that that blind? Yeah, the one I posted two days ago. Yeah, so then you have, what is it going up today, the video yeah, of the hunt? Yeah, the video going of up the to, hunt's going up today. So you have 18 minutes of footage? <laughs> no, no. You have more than that. But, no. Uh, yeah. That, and believe it or not, that quick of a hunt with so much going on, editing that kind of a video is just hard. You don't know what's good, what's bad, and then all of it's happening when it's still really dark out, so your cameras aren't really picking up much of anything. I really do enjoy those, you know, you get in the blind, first group comes in, you shoot them, you pick them up, go back to the blind, two minutes later, next group. Those ones, I like to have like a little bit of a, a pace going, you know, when it's just all hell breaking loose. It's yeah, just, it's just chaos. It's just chaos. Yeah. You can't plan for chaos and there's no good way to present chaos. Mm -mm. You just kind of have to let chaos you know, regurgitate all over the screen. It's just, here it is. Yeah, that's what this video is. It's, it's just, just it's chaos regurgitated. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Uh, what so, else do we want to so, Something unique that you you do on your uh, your big ducks, and I haven't seen you do it on your teal yet, but kayak hunting in mm -hmm. public land. Yeah, I actually did that on Monday. Did you? Yeah, I took it out to the bottoms. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Sweet. First, uh, first ducks out of the the old canoe that I got. Oh, so like, canoe this time, not a kayak. Yeah, it's a solo canoe, but made by Old Town. Really? So it's their solo sportsman. It's pretty sweet. It's a little shorter than the kayak, and it's a little smaller. But I'm trying to figure out how much I like it compared to the kayak. Yeah. It, each of them, they they're just so different in different ways. So it just depends on the situation. So do you prefer a kayak or a canoe over like a sneak boat? I've never used a sneak boat, gotcha. but I really do like the kayak. It's super stable. And they're more manageable than a sneak boat. Sneak boats can be pretty big and heavy. Yeah, my kayak, I'd say with the blind on it, it's probably about 100 pounds. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about what you're doing, I mean, you like to fish too. So if mm -hmm. anybody else is listening to this, he's got a fishing kayak, but it's not necessarily a hunting kayak. It's kind of an all-around or is it a fishing mm -hmm. style? Well, it's designed for fishing, but it yeah. can be used for hunting. But he's got, I mean, you know, in the spring, it's not just sitting up there in your garage, maybe like a sneak boat is, where you don't use it. Mm -hmm. You're out there, you know, catching bass and crappie off your local conservation lakes with it, or maybe you're up in the, you know, north ends of the reservoirs yeah. fishing, and then when it's hunting season, it's just converted over. Now you're you're shooting ducks out of it, so, I mean, that's a pretty cool way of thinking about it, having a... It's a multi-purpose year-round watercraft that you can use, I mean... And I've I've gone through and busted ice on it and just crushed through it. It was pretty cool, but the the only hard part is you need a push pull. Otherwise, you you can't stick your paddle through the ice. It's a little difficult, so you need a push pull to push yourself through the ice. How deep of water are you typically hunting? So it depends on where I go and the flooding conditions. Last year we had some pretty good flooding, and I was hunting in like four and a half to five foot deep of water in a spot where it's normally like six inches. Jeez. Yeah. So this was on a big lake too. So it was nice because I was able to get into those spots where walk-in hunters couldn't go and where they used to normally be able to go. So I had all those spots that I, at one point in time I could walk across the whole cove of the lake. Well, now it was five foot deep. Yeah. So I was able to get in those spots where most people couldn't. 
Yeah. We noticed that some, you know, some, when it flooding like that on even marshes, our conservation marshes that we have around here, it it can get too deep in some areas where it eliminates you from going any farther. And then the guys with the sneak boats or the boats can actually get back there and the walk-ins can't. So, you know, instead of not buying a full-on John boat, you know, the whole thing, I know it's a one-person kind of thing. You can't put three of your buddies in there. But you get you can get a, all your buddies to jump in and get some and get things rigged up, get your, your blind figured out or your nylap or die cut, all that stuff you lay on top of you. Um, they're quiet. I like that. You can put lights on the front of them too. Uh, yeah. I did that and it made a huge difference because if you're paddling a kayak at night, it gets kind of spooky. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have enough lights, it, it gets spooky. Really? And then you can get lost really easily too. I had that happen. One of my lights shorted out because I had it wired wrong. So I was in the middle of a marsh that I knew. I knew it really well and I was just paddling around. I made one big circle thinking I was just going straight. So having having good lighting makes a big difference. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's and, a good and you, idea. And you have your decoys floating behind you or in, in the boat with you? I put them in the boat because if you just have them floating behind you, everybody thinks that you can just float them behind you and it'll be no big deal. When you're floating them behind you, you're creating a lot of drag. And so I like to phrase it like normally you're one paddle, you know, one push of the paddle, you're, you're going pretty easily. Well, with decoys behind you, to get that same amount of force, it takes about two to three paddles. So it, you're causing more work on yourself if you're trying to drag them behind you. So I put them in the, just in the back of the kayak. My kayak can hold about two to two and a half dozen mallard decoys. And my canoe can hold about two. Really? Yeah. Kind of cold more, huh? But you can also just attach a sled to the back and drag that along. And that, that eliminates some of that drag. It's not as bad. Sure. Gotcha. Well, that and too, if you just drag them behind you, if there's any wind at all, I mean, they're just going to catch wind too. And that current or whatever, that's going to pull you the and, wrong direction too. And if you're running Texas rigs, your rigs could get caught in vegetation in the marsh and all that. So it it can be, it seems like a great idea if you're just sitting at home looking at, oh, I'm just going to clip them on the back and just drag along. You you do that within the first like two minutes, you're like, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> Instant, instantly regret it. That's funny. Uh, Let's pursue it. So what else do you, you – you run two and a half dozen decoys, big duck hunting, and you run a couple mojos or lucky ducks? Yeah, so I, I use some mojos and lucky ducks, and normally I give it until middle of November, early December, and then I stop using them just because the ducks start to flare off of them. I've never really had a huge opinion on mojos over water. With teal hunting, yeah, I think teal love mojos and they'll come into them. But with big ducks, I've never had an experience where I'm hunting with mojos and I'm like, that is the reason why these ducks came in. Because I'm normally trying to get in the spots where they want to be already. And if anything, I've seen more mojos ruin hunts than make them better with big ducks. Yeah, it's a controversial topic sometimes, especially into the season a little bit. All sorts of people in different parts of the country are like, we're pulling them, we're using them, we love them, we hate them. Some guys I've seen out there on reservoir hunts have 30 on a water, on a, on a water, you know, spread. Uh, Sunny day, cloudy day. Yeah, exactly. What's, there, it, what's know, it gonna yeah. make the difference? I think a lot of times too, what we've done is we'll hunt big water and we'll see some ducks in the distance, and so we'll we'll call at them and we'll have them running. But if they we see that they turn and come our direction, a lot of times we'll just shut them off. So we'll use them as something maybe just to get their attention, just to think there's something going on over there, and then we just kill them. 
Yeah. So, like you said, because, yeah, it, I definitely have seen them flare birds. But I know with the group of guys we hunt with, we also really, we more believe in water motion. So oh, if, yeah. From as simple as a jerk rig, but we like pulsators. Like, you know, we love pulsators. And, uh, you know, wonder ducks or whatever that kick move enough water to where your spread looks alive, even though there's only two or three things moving. But they, they put out enough motion to where it kind of makes all 24 or 36 ducks look like they're doing something and i think that really helps because that water doesn't look like a boring sheet of glass to where yeah each guy we hunt with has a double spinning wing pack and usually one spinner and one water motion so everybody's got one of each so we try to fill the spread with all sorts of motion yeah, yeah i like love a circus out there i love that double spinning wing pack <laughs> i fit three dove mojos a teal mojo and two lucky ducks in it yeah with camera gear and shells and food and coffee like that thing is sweet. It is. It is a great pack. People are, I use it as I use it as a pack to haul in spinning wings and water motion and that's my blind bag too. It's everything. Yeah, it's everything all in one. But when I'm kayak hunting, I don't even bring a bag. I just bring my essentials, which is like my coffee, my shells, my gun, and then decoys. So that's uh it's a little different. Because when you're walking hunting, you tend to pack in a lot more than what you need. And when you get in a kayak where you've got a very limited amount of space, you learn how to cut down on all that unneeded stuff because you're not needing stuff to build a blind on public land. Um, I mean, you're, you're just down to the basics, and I like that a lot. Agreed. Yeah. I, I Sometimes tend to bring we, the kitchen sink. That's yeah. my, my problem. I tend to bring the kitchen sink. Yeah, and you're talking about getting another sled. Do you get another sled? We're really going to bring the kitchen sink, or at least the kitchen grill or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, last year after fighting, what, two dozen Bigfoots on one sled or whatever we tried to do. Yeah, that last was year we were hunting a lot of public land for honkers, and our spread through the through the month of goose season got bigger and bigger and bigger. So, we, you know, we're getting up over the 10 dozen range, and this is all by you know force like there's no utv no gator no nothing to get this stuff out to the field no truck no truck and trailer stand it's all like you got to get it in on your back on a sled somehow i, um, I literally think we tried to put four bags of bigfoots on one sled and I, we sort of did it but i mean that's kind of why i want another sled <laughs> well what you could do is just get a big long stick or a pole or something and just slide the handles of your decoy bags on there and just have two people carry them kind of like there's like Egyptian things. Yeah, I've done that with deer before. I, I, out we of, need to try out of that. public ground, I've done that with a deer before, crossing ditches and stuff. But we need to try I mean, that. That's absolutely like wooden dowels. I mean, mm-hmm. six foot wooden dowels fit in the truck bed. Just take the uh, the hanging rod out of your closet and just use that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Don't tell uh, the wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not a bad idea either. Yeah, because it we had. I mean, because we were also bringing in layout know, blinds. six layout blinds and then coming up on 10 dozen honker decoys of various shapes and sizes all in bags and uh yeah that was interesting that could be a pain i'm I'm predicting a snowy winter so that's my excuse for just getting a sled anyway yeah. and then you get a sled uh we sell a ton of jet sleds at the store but they're so hard to ship online but you get a sled on snow it's like your favorite thing <laughs> yeah. you get a sled on mud you or gravel or gravel you just want to pull your hair out 
It's yeah. like it's, it'd be like kayaking with four dozen decoys behind you. Yeah, that's why I bought a garden wagon. <laughs> you know, like the I big do have one of those too. Like the big tires. tires on. Yeah, yeah I, I use that. Except I got stuck in mud with that thing. Really, <laughs> the wheels wouldn't even turn. Oh. It was great walking in on frozen ground, though. Yeah. yeah, I have a garden cart also. That's it. It had a dump function, but I secured it so it doesn't dump because it kept like tipping over <laughs> when I was using it. I also siliconed the bolts that were attached to like the frame for the tire so like if i did get in short small water i could still pull it through and not get everything soaked but we use it for like a lot of places we hunt you know there's levees or there's just a trail Mm -hmm. on dry ground to get to where you want to hunt in the water so you might have but it's i'm talking mile to two mile at tops is probably the most i've seen and like i said either on your back you don't want to drag it on the ground one of those little carts just Gives the ability to, to roll it on those trails. Yeah. I've but, seen somebody ride a bike in. Mm-hmm. We've well, been now there's, about that. yeah, there's a lot of electric bikes, too. Which I don't know. I haven't figured out. We need to ask about that. Because, you know, these places that we go to, there's, like, no motor vehicle. Well, it's, it's not, well, I mean, I guess it's a motor. It's not there's gas. A, but. It's not gas. It's an electronic motor. We've got that figured out if that's frowned upon yet. Yeah. I, that's a good question. Yeah. Because you could probably put a little trailer behind that thing. Oh, man. They, yeah. they make them, yeah, for what? The Rambo bikes, the Quiet Cats. I mean, there's Rambo multiple bikes, different oh, there's brands tons, and, now. And outside of the hunting industry, there's brands of electric bikes. So. Oh, yeah. And these things have hours, like battery hours that are crazy. They have tons of torque. I mean, you could really haul... You could really haul some gear out there on these electric bikes. We just got to figure out where's the where's the line. We need to ask some of our conservation buddies what they think. I mean, they have pedals, so yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, what what is the impact difference between an electric bike and a regular bike? There's no impact to the environment as far as difference. It's just unfair to the guy who doesn't have one. <laughs> well, I mean, well, they should have got one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. How do you yeah? How do you say what's What's fair and not fair? I mean, yeah. No, I'm, I'm messing around. But we, yeah. I mean, I, I I get the whole motorized thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. No four-wheelers and dirt bikes causing yeah. a ruckus, hurting the hunting. Yeah, sure. You, you take know. a little bike in there, it's not going to hurt anybody. Exactly. No. So, okay. Now you make me want to get one. I know. Food for thought. Yeah. I want one now, too. Sure, I bet you could even have, I bet you could have some crazy mods, like a kayak trailer, electric bike, all the decoys. That would be a sick public land rig, just cruising. Yeah, I'm going to go five miles in and drop the kayak and then hunt this hole. I don't think I could have. Walking in, you can't say that. No. Five miles in with duck hunting gear is hard to do. Yeah, it would be. Half a mile in with duck hunting gear is hard to do. Uh, Yes. Yes. How far is that spot that we go off that that far point that we drug in past where we went with the Bigfoots? That's that's probably half a mile. Half no, it was more. It was like one point seven. No, are you serious? Yeah, I, well, I, we, knew it I sucked. Did it, I did it on on X. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder that sucked. It was one point seven miles. And okay. that's before like this before all the hills. It's just on X, you know, marking a line. We went here, 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 and here, and here. That's awful. So, what do you use for scouting? Mainly Google Earth. Yeah, and I was just driving around. So, yeah. I just watch the ducks. They tell me where to go. Boots on the ground, mm-hmm. windshield time, and Google Earth. As best as I can. Other times, I'm just not scouting. I just go and hope for the best. <laughs> that's what I did on Monday. That. Yeah. We've all been there and done that. Yeah, like, that's kind of what we did Saturday. when We we just got back from out of town, and we haven't had really time to to uh, 
scout to scout and so we just kind of went just to get out because we wanted just to get out and do it so what do you say some of your most popular videos are going to be are they the how-to videos the tips the tricks no the most popular ones are definitely the ones where i film an actual hunt and banging out ducks banging out ducks my most popular video now is one i filmed last year where i was hunting on my kayak on public land it was an awesome hunt. I Wasn't that that marshy area where it's like you kind of had like an open pool, and then you had like some mar- like some some mm-hmm. grass, and then you had yeah. a little bit of water behind it? it yeah, was really ducky looking. But yeah. you had a pretty consistent cl- clouds of ducks everywhere. Yeah, weren't you going to class like right after that? No, it was after. I went after I went to class. Gotcha. When I was in college. Gotcha. Yeah. Glad to be done with that. You know, I kind of miss it a little bit. <laughs> I miss having the time. Yeah, because when I'm working this part-time job, it's kind of eliminating that time that I had when I was in class. Sure, I could get up and edit a video and go to class by nine, but now get up, go to work at seven thirty, get back by three thirty, and half the day's over. Yeah, adulting. Co- it yeah, sucks. if you could be a college <laughs> college student, I've heard a lot of guys who really got into waterfowl hunting is because they would go in their first class to be at like ten thirty. Oh yeah, and oh yeah, and they would be. They would be in the duck marsh every morning, finding out where they're at, shooting them, and then go walking into class in their waiter pants. Oh, there's and, uh, there's people out there, I'm sure probably a couple at this table that have planned their semester schedules around. <laughs> no. Well, why would you? Here. Why would you do something silly like that? Yeah. Let's be honest here. I didn't have class until eleven o'clock last week. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's yep. fun. That's fun. Yeah, we've all done that. Yeah. So if you're if you're in high school, about to go to college, this whole uh, starting at eight and nine thing, you might want to rethink that if you're a duck hunter. At least yes. at least for two days of the week. Yes. Yes. That correct. So yeah, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. If there's yeah, the pro tip of the the week here: schedule your classes after ten a.m. Yep. Or at least your Friday class. Earliest is at nine, so you can get out and scout those birds before before the weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always like to be done with class, like by noon on Fridays, mm-hmm. because I I went to school far away from where I lived, so that let me start the weekend at like noon. Yeah, but that was on Fridays. But yeah, I always did the uh, Tuesday Thursdays. I think my first class was like at eleven or something like that, because I wanted I wanted those mornings to study. Yeah. Like, yes. Right. <laughs> I was studying. Oh, yeah. There's lots of studying that happens. Yeah, studying the, the duck migration is what I was studying. All right. What else do we want to talk about? So much stuff. I'm ready, like, I'm you, ready you don't go. do a lot of big game hunting, though. It's predominantly fishing and waterfowl. Yeah, fishing and waterfowl is pretty much all I do. I did, went on my first quail hunt this past January. That was pretty fun. I could totally get into that. Oh, yeah. Quail and pheasants are a blast. It's just, there's not a lot of them. I mean, obviously, Kansas mm-hmm. is doing better Kansas on that situation. Doing for sure. Missouri, and of course, what, prairie chickens out there, too. Yeah, I've shot a couple prairie chickens. I've never shot or eaten one. You always, I always get my prairie chicken permit when I get my goose permit, usually, my duck permit. Because while I goose hunt, there's prairie chickens, and I've had them fly into the goose spread. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. The only time I see them when I'm out in Kansas is when I'm with my buddy trapping. And, of course, yeah. we'll be out checking traps and we'll flush them up or whatever. But other than that, I've never really seen them while waterfowl hunting. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see them fly over and land in the goose spread. You're just there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Nothing's happening. You've been there since, like, 7. And you look up and you see this prairie chicken just gliding right into the decoys. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on here? 
this is going to be fun. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wake, wake your buddy up who's taking a nap. Yeah, yes. so what's your uh, your bucket bucket list waterfowl hunts? Are you are you sandhill crane? Are you going out in the coast or big diver hunts? What do you think? You know, I've been having to think about that. I want to get sandhill cranes knocked off the list this year, if I can. I'd really like to get that done. But some something I keep going going back to is just brants. I want to sh- I want to shoot a bunch of brants. Really? Yeah. They're cool. Yeah, they're cool looking. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I I don't know. I'm still on the whole like cinnamon teal and you know stuff that we just don't see around here. Obviously, we don't see brands either. But I don't know for some reason I want that teal slam. Yeah. Yeah. Up in the northwest, the the seasons I think can be confusing. But the I t- the top the the amount of goose species or subspecies oh, that they ridiculous. get to, to play around with over there is like crazy. Oh yeah. And uh, kind of, that kind of sounds fun to me because you get to see all sorts of different types, shapes, and all that stuff. But Well, yeah, on the FA podcast that is actually right before this one, talking with Mario, or no, it was two podcasts ago, there's like six or seven subspecies of geese in Washington and Oregon, and some you can shoot, some you can't shoot, duskies and brants and cacklers and honkers, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. It sounds fun, but I, I know there's some that... It sounds it fun does. if you got someone that knows what they're doing with yeah. you, especially when it comes to the one you can't shoot. Yeah, the, was that the dusky? Yeah, yeah, you can't shoot them in certain spots, and I'm like, holy smokes. But that kind of sounds fun to get that much variety. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. I also would like to go on a field spec hunt that's just strictly spec, just mm-hmm. awesome. I know some guys we can probably hit up for that. Yeah. There's a lot of specs we, in Kansas. Yeah. Really? Oh. Where at? In the state. <laughs> Just kidding. In the state. But, uh, 4B. Yeah. 4B. Yeah, there you go. 4B. Uh, but we, uh, we we run into specs a lot last year during honker season, which was fun. We definitely called in a bunch of them. We, we called in some during, you know, duck season. You know, we're out in the duck spread, and we're still calling them in to water, you know, and, and we're shooting them. But we haven't really decided to go full-on spec hunting, which I don't think we need to. I think we need to have our spec decoys, and some of us now are getting – a little bit more proficient on our spec calls, and I think this year we're gonna we're gonna go at them a little bit better than last year. But last year, I mean, it's just I can't believe how many we're starting to see. Yeah, yeah. Do you hunt for a lot of specs out there, or are they just no. kind of a bonus bird? For they're you? they're a bonus bird. I yeah. had one hunt last year, public land, went and set up in a field, drug seven dozen decoys in the field with me, and I shot one spec. Hey. And that, I mean, that was a good day. Like, yeah. Ending with calling in a spec with a Canada call. I had two specs come in about 35 yards, and they wouldn't get any closer. And got one of them. It was pretty tarred up too, so it was pretty cool. I was gonna say, I think uh, this, we shot a couple specs last year, and most of the time, when we were getting specs, they were either ha- hanging up just outside of shooting range, or we'd get them into that 35 range and have to poke them. That one we got to fully commit. The one that Bobby and I doubled up on. I mean, that thing was, it was fully committed. It was gonna land in the decoys and. Before it got that there, that was a crazy morning. That 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 spec was lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We last year in January when spec season was closed, we had like fifty specs hover over us at like twenty yards. It was just stupid. That's what it, they do. It was like you're not in season. Why are you doing this to us? And all these honkers are flying away from us because they're the only ones in season. 
Well, up until the last couple of years, that's all we would get during the conservation order. It seemed like you'd be sitting there and some would be coming in, you know, with the sun at their back. So you really couldn't see or something like that. It'd be evening or afternoon and you see 10 or 15 birds cupped up. They're coming in silent and you're like, all right, boys, get ready, get ready, get ready. And then one of them would laugh at you. And then you're like, okay, just nope, put the guns down because they'd come in silent. And you wouldn't know until one of them finally, you know, made the Chuckle. noise. Yeah. Give you the old giggle. Giggle but, chicken. Other than that, yeah, that's we're seeing them now during yeah. hunting season at least. So we're seeing them. I've seen them like early on in duck season. Me and Houston were out by ourselves on the lake, and we had a pretty good morning as it is. And then I see a group of like thirty plus specks just cruising around the lake. They were trying to come down. They're trying to sit and rest. And I just popped that spec call out, and we knocked three out of that group. Yeah, first of, first of November is when it seems like they start rolling through, but it's usually at night. I think there was more specs than I had duck decoys, but it was just that what? call. Yeah, That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. what it looked like. So what do, you get in, do you get into a lot of honkers or lessers where you're at in Kansas? Honkers. honkers. A lot of big geese. Yeah. A lot of big geese. I hate seeing clouds of little geese. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. Uh, That's good. That's good. Of course, we talked to Bobby, and he shoots a ton of lessers, but he's down by Emporia. So, yeah, I guess it's it's real weird because we don't even get tiny geese over here on the Missouri side hardly at all, mm-hmm. which is really weird. But do you see quite a few lessers where you're? I've seen them every here, you know, here and there, but hmm. mainly it's just a lot of honkers, which is what I like to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. honkers like to play. Yes, and you know you don't have to set out sixty dozen decoys with a hundred and twenty dozen snow socks just to kill six lessers. If you're setting up for honkers, you can get it done with two dozen decoys if you're in the right spot. If you're in the right spot, yeah. And that's what I really like to see because I know lessers, there's just so many eyes on you, and you just, they're just a pain. They're a pain in the butt. They're picky. They're picky, yeah. You get the big honkers, yeah, you got to get everything tied up in a bow, but they'll they'll play a little better, especially in those smaller groups. You get a four-pack of honkers flying over you, there's a chance that even if you're trafficking, you could get a close enough shot at them they'd play yeah. yeah for sure and when they commit they commit oh yeah i got i got really into honker hunting last season especially over water it's just there's nothing better than shooting big geese over water they just commit so hard they do it's awesome yeah and we they're fun to shoot fun. when they fold they're fun to watch I, I love seeing a group of about eight to ten start maple leafing coming into a water spread and then they just get lit up and then you have geese all over the place and big splashes it's just oh, a yeah. great and they land <laughs> 10 yards from your blind it's yeah. just like this isn't even fair yeah. it's fun yeah that is fun so you you've got what two or three three states that you're going to hunt for big ducks this year mm-hmm. you're going to chase geese in all those same states i don't know i think kansas and missouri will chase geese and uh, we'll see about Nebraska. Nebraska. My guy in Nebraska, he's like five hours away from me. So it's kind of a haul to get up there. But I'd like to go up there because he gets a lot of snows and lessers, which, I mean, it'd be fun to do that every once in a while, but not every day. Yeah, it doesn't take priority for me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to be honest, snow geese don't take priority. Snow geese are the white devil. That, I've, that had, them, I've had them screw me over so many times. And luckily, from where I've been hunting the past four years, we hardly get any snow geese. But when 30 of them come through and land on a field right next to you, all those birds go to that one field. 
And even if you try to put out snow socks, which we did this like the next day, we had a few snow socks, we put them out. The honkers hated them. I've, I've probably could count. It'd probably take two hands to count the number of times we've scouted snow geese in a field two days in a row. So we're on the X. We go set up 500, 600 decoys in that field they were in the night before only for them to move to the next field over. And you're like, yeah, and as soon as, like you said, as soon as 30 live birds go in that field, the next 5,000 go to that field. And it's just, it's frustrating. And that's why, yeah, you're on the X, you've scouted that field two days. Nope, they go to the next field. Yeah. It's aggravating. That's why we should shoot them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot them all. Anything else you want to hit, Chandler? Oh, we want to talk. We're just now approaching an hour, so. We'll have I to mean, do another one of these, but, yeah, check out. Josh's Outdoor Limits channel if you want to see some public land, do it yourself. How-to videos. How-to videos. Hunting videos. Yep. You can also check out our YouTube page. We just talk about decoys, though. Yeah, all we do is, yeah, we talk about new new decoys that are out and, yeah. But, yeah. No, I mean, I'm excited for public land. I'm excited for Big Duck. I'll be back in from out of town. I'm traveling a lot right now, so I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to struggle to get out in the next, you know, two or three weeks, but uh, I'm excited. I'll be back and ready to go for big duck season. It's going to be, it's going to be lights out this year. Hopefully that, yeah, that's what we hope for. A lot of water, not a lot of food. So it could be interesting. What are your thoughts? You You said that so professionally. Yes. Oh, I don't know. I, they're going to be here. They're always, do you think we'll hold them as long as we typically hold them? Well, with the way cornfields look right now, I think they look pretty darn good. They'll just have to go elsewhere for their food. Mm-hmm. We'll hunt them in their loaves. Yeah. So it's nothing different than hunting ducks where they roost somewhere with no food. They fly off to go get food and they live somewhere else. Yeah. It's just like a farm pond situation. Yeah. I think I think we'll be fine. It's just adapting. I think Kansas, it'll be very similar. I think Missouri is where you might see some changes because the public ground where there's usually tons of food where they can roost and loaf and do it all in one place, they can't. So that'll change the dynamic a little bit, but... It could give hunters better opportunities, too, oh, with those refuges not holding as much food. Those birds will go elsewhere. Yeah. I was going to add to that, you know, um, I might we might be focusing on more of our, our dry field duck hunting this year. Because, I mean, we have spots by the river and spots that were flooded, but we also have spots that didn't get affected, you know, that are, they're going to be great for food, but they're not necessarily by a river or by, oh, yeah. by a lake or something like that, but they can still be potentially be in traffic or still be used as a, a, a feeding. So we might actually hunt more dry field this year. I don't know. I'd yeah. love to get more dry field ducks. Oh, we got I went it. a whole year without them. No, I want them back. Yeah, no kidding. It is so much fun because it's not, I mean, I wouldn't say it's less work by any means, but it's just different. We had a blast going it's out awesome. last yeah. year when, with the honker season open and the duck season open. And we didn't care that we didn't shoot a honker, but we shot ducks in the field. Well, that it, was what was crazy. Yeah, we put out all the goose decoys, and we had mallards read the script and couldn't scratch out a goose to save our lives. Yeah, the geese were... The duck hunting was better with... Mm-hmm. The geese we were, were going hunting. somewhere. They had maybe an exit there or didn't really care about us, but the ducks, man, they loved every bit of it. And we didn't <laughs> care. We were just taking it all. Yeah. They came in, and they just took a... They banked in and came straight in. They didn't even think about passing a couple of times. No. They just right in. Yeah. Read the script. That's fun. It's a blast. Yeah. We'll have to get together on some hunts this year. Oh, yeah. It is so sure. much fun, especially, yeah, dry field hunting. I, I like water hunting. It's funny because I, I, I used to dry field hunt for honkers and water hunt for ducks, and now I've kind of 
I like to dry fuel hunt for ducks and water hunt for honkers. It's kind of role reversal there. It's kind of fun, but I'll take any type of hunting, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just whatever. If we're hunting water, I can do it. If we're hunting fields, I'll do it. I don't discriminate against yeah. waterfowl. I like hunting. them both, but for some reason, I love the water. How messy, how everything gets soaked, waders. I just like that whole concept. Yeah. How's, how's that inertia <laughs> system like that? Yeah. Oh, my SB1 does great. I'm yeah. not saying it's the cleanest. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it rocks. I had to break down my inertia system last year. It was a bad deal. Clean it. So, all right. Anything else? Any final thoughts? Do you have any final thoughts? Mm-mm. No? I don't think so. Check out your YouTube. Outdoor Check out Limits. my YouTube. Yes. Got an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Outdoor Limits on all three. Yeah. Just okay. it. You'd find it. All right. Chandler, any final so, thoughts? So, yeah. Roger's double spinning backpack. You heard it from Josh. Yes. It's the best backpack out in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> the best. I'd, I'd take it to class if I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I suppose mean, you we could. We should have modular dividers in there so you could take it to class. So you could take it... So then you don't have to worry about running home to get your backpack to go after you're done duck hunting before class. Exactly. You got that 11 o'clock class. You got to just get those 9 o'clock birds, pack up, get there, be in class by 10. Yeah. yeah. You got your mojo on one side. You got your, you know, your algebra, your calc, all that on the other side. I wasn't that smart. I didn't take those <laughs> classes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, my final thought is going to be for those that are already in school this semester, I that's too bad but those who are in high school are going to be taking college classes you start after 11 a.m in the fall Mm -hmm. that's that's my final thought or if you're a big turkey hunter do it in the spring yes do it in the spring absolutely there you go if you like to fish i mean come on hit that sunrise and fish until but the sun comes up so early then yeah that's true so if you got a nine o'clock class you could fish for two to three hours and be back there just in time yeah but i mean i guess i mean there's still depending on what state you're in there's still waterfowl hunting and conservation orders to be had in spring so yeah mm-hmm. schedule your classes after 11 a.m it's it's not that big of a deal just yeah so okay that's it final thoughts <laughs>